It's the part of the sales process that many trainers, coaches, and consultants dread. You've had a great sales conversation, and the prospect likes what they've heard, but now you've to find a few hours to write up your proposal in something like Microsoft Word, maybe email it to your prospect, or print the document off, drop it in the post, and wait for a reply, and wait for the reply, and wait for the reply. Did the prospect get your training proposal? Well, who knows, because that's your job, to chase them down, and get them to sign the dotted line. There is a better way, and today we're talking to Kyle Racky, CEO of Proposify.com, a software-as-a-service solution designed to make training proposals and other proposals a whole lot easier. What's not to like? This is episode 58 of the Training Business Podcast. Hey! And welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes. Hi, welcome to the show. My name is Mark Garrett-Hayes, and this is the podcast for you, for training business professionals all around the world. Maybe you're a coach, maybe you're a consultant, a learning and development consultant, maybe you're a trainer. Um, But irrespective of that, this is the show helping you to start to grow and to scale your training business. Maybe you've not begun yet, but it doesn't really matter because we're here to help you with a fresh episode of the podcast every single Thursday by exposing you to the kinds of expertise from people who've been where you want to go. Maybe they are authors who have written books in the sphere of sales and they've got some kind of expertise. Last week's episode, for example, was with Grant Cardone. That was episode 57 of the podcast. And Grant Cardone, if that name rings a bell, is arguably, arguably the world's number one sales training rock star. The guy is synonymous with training business, has a phenomenal track record. And that's an episode I'd highly recommend you go back and listen to. So maybe it's your first time today here on the show. If it is, welcome. But if you've been regularly listening to the episodes until now, this being episode 58 of the podcast, I'd love to welcome you back personally. Now, I said before the music that today's guest is Kyle Racky. Kyle is CEO of a Canadian software company called Proposify.com. That's Proposify.com, based in Nova Scotia. And the reason I asked Kyle on the show is because I'm actually quite excited by some of the features of Proposify. There are alternatives to Proposify out there. I don't think Kyle will mind my saying that uh, because this is not to be construed as a sales pitch for Proposify.com. However, that said, I think the solution itself, Proposify, is excellent. And I'm really, really uh, gung-ho about all the things that it can do not just for my training business, but can do for your training business as well. So for example, there are features which allow you to store your templates securely online for your proposals, to digitally sign them, uh, to track when people open them, to track which sections people are looking at the most or or least, uh, to digitally sign them to make them legal documents, And of course, to integrate them with your CRM could be something like Salesforce. It could be something like Close.io or Pipedrive or something like Insightly. Lots of solutions out there. But as I said, this is not a sales pitch for Proposify today. I simply want to share Kyle's expertise 
in terms of all the, shall we say, hundreds of thousands, if not over a million proposals, which his company has seen. And at this stage, I think it's safe to say they're fair experts on what makes up a working, solid, attractive proposal. So that's exactly what we're talking about today. All the kinds of features which you can take advantage of through software like Proposify.com. And Kyle has taken time today to speak to us live from Nova Scotia. So without further delay, let's say hi to Kyle. Kyle, welcome to the show. Good to be here, Mark. Thanks for having me. So you're on your podcast, Mike, I can hear today. I am. Yeah, I do this. I do this a fair amount. You have a podcast as well, then? Well, we have a podcast, and and when I'm guests on other people's podcasts, I like to sound uh, like I'm not coming from you know tinny tinny mic. So uh, so yeah, I've invested in the in the hardware. Yeah, many people don't. They sound like they're in the bathroom or you know in some kind of um, echo chamber. But uh, your audio comes across very well. Thank you. So speaking of um, where you are, you're in the office today, and the office is in Canada, right? It's in is it Nova Scotia? Correct. Yes. So we are in Eastern Canada. So we're we're about an hour flight to Boston, if people know, or New York, where if people know where that is. Okay. So um, your CEO, uh, one of the co-founders of Proposify, and feel free to correct me if I've got anything wrong so far. Um, how did Proposify start? What is the journey like so far? So it uh, it had a long journey, a long genesis before we uh, before we really got serious about it. I'm a graphic designer by trade. That's that's what I went to school for, and I started my career in the I guess early to mid two thousands, working in marketing agencies, ad agencies as a designer, and that's where I kind of first noticed that proposals. You know, when the agency was was bidding on jobs or putting together a proposal to win over a new client, that that whole process seemed very broken to me in my 20-year-old uh, mind, <laughs> very inexperienced, but I knew something was wrong. And as I got further into application design and, and, and you know, the web became much more prevalent over that time period, we started to see programs like Basecamp, um, you know, software as a service was taking off. I always just kind of thought it would be cool if there was some kind of a SaaS tool, software as a service, to make the proposal writing process a lot easier. And I wireframed up that idea in my basement one night in maybe around 2006, sat on it for a long time, never thinking it would ever see the light of day. Uh, it was just sort of more of a, a pet project. And then, you know, years down the line, I'm running my own agency with my business partner, Kevin. We're, we're looking to get into products and, and build our own subscription services. We try a whole bunch of ideas and then kind of I dust off the old proposal app idea, get the idea out there to people. And it turns out a lot of people had this problem. So we then started to really double down, get some funding and invest a lot more time in building this into an actual company. So let's let's define exactly what Proposify does. I guess the hints in the name, it's it's helping people to generate proposals, but there's a lot more to it than that. So why don't you explain what Proposify does and whom it serves? Absolutely. Um, so virtually every business in the world, especially ones that sell business to business, have to put together some kind of a document to close deals with new customers. Some people call it proposals, some people call it agreements, contracts, quotes, you know, but they all essentially do the same thing, which is you've got a lead ready to buy or at least, in, you know, very far down the sales process ready to um, begin discussing pricing and that sort of thing. You have to get a document in their hands to close the deal. And 
almost everybody universally, if you talk to them about this, they all hate the process of putting together proposals. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You almost just have to say proposals in a, in a crowd, especially at a business conference and people go, Oh, I hate it. You know? And and that was actually what gave me the um, encouragement to pursue this idea full time was that everybody I talked to had this problem. So I think that's a good kind of lesson for people if they're ever thinking about starting a product company or just a company in general is focus on pain. And if you if you focus on solving the right problem, the solution is actually ends up being quite obvious. So that being said, what is Proposify? So it's essentially um, a, a platform that helps companies of, of um, all sizes, but, but we primarily sell into the mid-market, so sales teams of 20, 50, 100 sales reps. And it makes the process of putting together these agreements, these proposals, much easier and faster, so it takes less of their time. But it also presents a more compelling, professional, um, uh, branded experience for their prospects and their buyers. So it makes the buying process a lot easier on the other side. Okay, so you mentioned a couple of things there, but it also is something which uh, individual consultants could, could take advantage of. It's obviously a sweet spot, as is, as you mentioned, mid-market, but individuals could take advantage of the features of Proposify as well. Absolutely. We, we started this company selling to very small customers, freelancers, and, and um, small agencies. So that's, that they make up a, a big part of our customer base. And, and so even people who are just a one-person company are able to sign up to an account and, and start using it for their own proposals. I guess there are lots of people still who are listening to this and thinking, why would I put my proposal in the hands of another company? In other words, um, I'm, I'm quite comfortable. I'm not speaking here, but I'm imagining someone saying, I'm quite comfortable using Microsoft Word or something else. It's a bit of a drag, but um, what's the advantage to putting something like my proposals, which are sometimes client-sensitive in the cloud and, and uh, putting them online? Well, I think for the most part, if you use Microsoft Word for your proposals and you don't store them anywhere that's that's on a server, you don't put them in Dropbox, you never email them, then I guess you could say that your proposals are very protected. But I mean, nowadays, if you're if you're putting them anywhere on a cloud-hosted service, whether it's Google Drive, whether it's Dropbox, box where you're emailing them they they live somewhere in the cloud you know so the the key thing then isn't to now never use a cloud solution um, but to make sure that the, the solutions that you are using are secure and and that they you've you know you understand their privacy agreement they're not sharing that stuff so that's something that proposal at proposify we take very seriously we don't ever share anybody's proposal information um, we sometimes aggregate the data, so we'll show at a at volume how people are sending up proposals, but we never send any sensitive information or share that outside of the company. Right, so that's that's highly secure then. Oh yes, absolutely, yeah. Okay, so I think that um, why why don't we do this? Why don't we look at the key components of a winning consulting proposal? Because people listening to this are invariably consultants, they're freelancers, they're trainers, they're coaches. And they're thinking, okay, so you guys at Proposify must at this stage, having had all those uh, proposals over the years through all kinds of industries, you must have some kind of formula to know exactly what the key components are of a winning proposal. So what would that look like, in your opinion, from the perspective of a consultant? So we've spent a lot of time over the years creating content and sharing content around proposals. Obviously, it's our niche. It's what we we know best. Um, and I'm, and I'm going to share some stuff on this podcast 
And I should also mention that we have a free guide that I can send you a link to, and it's called the Closer's Guide to Winning Proposals. So a lot of the information that I'm sharing is is from this guide that we produced. Great. So we're going to um, put that in the show notes to today's episode. Absolutely. Well, I, I think that there's, you know, the, the funny thing is that for all the proposals we've seen and, and for all the data that we've examined and analyzed that has come through our system, there's, there's you know, often not a silver bullet to winning a proposal, but a lot of this, the suggestions that we provide are, are fairly, um, they're fairly simple. There's no, you know, there's no crazy formula that, that we've devised that will help you win proposals, but there's a, a set of kind of core principles that we recommend. So I guess the, the, the first one is you want to think about the structure of your proposal. Most of, most proposals follow a very common format, which is you start with kind of a cover page, maybe an executive summary. You detail your approach to how you're going to solve your, your customer's problem. Um, you get into a little bit about the solution and scope of work, pricing, and then usually follow it up with some case studies, some information about the company, some terms and conditions, and then that's it. It's about 11, 11 sections in the average proposal. And this format works well because it puts your prospect's pain at the beginning. So when we, when I used to work in the agency business, uh, agencies were notorious for front-loading their proposals with a whole bunch of content about themselves, <laughs> all, the awards they won, yeah. all the awards they won, how amazing they are. And then maybe there was a little bit of, about the client at the end, you know, client. People want to know, people are, are inherently selfish and they want to know how you're going to help them solve their problem. So that's the most important thing is that executive summary, which we have a blog post on how to write an effective ex- executive summary, is all about showing that you understand your your potential client's pain really well and you are the only viable solution for hiring. Yeah, I think that's, that's a very common mistake and I think I've alluded to this in other episodes of the podcast is that very often what we do is we begin with some kind of uh, autobiography. Um, look how great we are. Uh, we've done this for other people and and then at some point, as you've alluded to, quite rightfully, um, we kind of squeeze something in about the the problem that the person has, the, the consumer and and, uh, and often it's, that it makes a proposal very generic and I think that that's the What's really stood out in my mind is when I've seen proposals that have really gelled in my mind, I've thought, you know what, they've really articulated quite clearly uh, why they understand the problem better than anyone else. So that's definitely one of the key components of a proposal is that articulation in some kind of executive summary. Absolutely. So I'm thinking of um, some of the main features because I've walked through Proposify and um, I think that would be a great idea to to point towards... um, the fact that, for example, there is no excuse these days to have to reuse the same uh, template again and again in Microsoft Word. You can have something online, uh, Proposify is the only one that does this, but y- you offer some advantages insofar as people can actually uh, avail of a design, they can customize it if they like, um, and you can also track when people open your proposal, which I think is really cool. So why don't we go through a few of those kinds of, you know, features which give people an idea of what online proposal software can offer them in their training business. Mm-hmm, sure. I, I, I guess I would preface it by saying that uh, if if you're a, a person who doesn't send out a lot of proposals, if you send one out every now and then, most of your business is referral, the pricing is very standard, you often just kind of negotiate by email and that works for you, then you probably don't need proposal software. So uh, I'm I'm never trying to 
you know, uh, sell this where there's, there's not a need. Uh, and some people that works for, especially very small businesses and freelancers, they don't, they don't need something like this all the time. But for those who, um, let's say you're not happy with your current way of handling proposals, you find they take a lot of your time, you know, maybe you're spending a few hours a day or, or even a few hours a week putting these things together and you find that they're taking a lot of your time, which as consultants and freelancers, your time is your product. That's what you're selling to your clients. So anything that's taking that time away, that's non-billable, should be automated and streamlined as as much as possible. So it takes little time. So um, something that um, you've mentioned, or rather I mentioned a moment ago, is tracking. Let's talk about that for a second, because I think that's really fascinating that uh, it's possible to to track someone opening up a proposal in real time. And if someone has the app on their phone, am I right in saying that they would be notified if and when someone opens up a proposal and reads it. Yeah. Yeah, so this is this is kind of the the eternal problem that a lot of people have with their proposals is they go, "Man, we send out these PDFs, we email them to our prospect. They, you know, sometimes confirm that they got them, but then we're chasing them or week after week we're going, "Hey, did you read my proposal? What did you think? Do you have any questions? We're trying to close the deal." Um, wouldn't it be great if you could actually know when they're reading the proposal, what section they're on and how long they're actually spending on each section? So that's essentially what the one advantage of sending a proposal out through a product like ours, Proposify, would enable you to actually get notified when their when their interest is at its peak. So that's a perfect time to follow up. We've had we've had some customers say they like to call their client when they know they're actually reading the proposal, so that they can, <laughs> you know, kind of say like, oh well, I it's guess spooky. that was serendipitous. <laughs> Yeah, good time. I guess we were we were made to to work together. And, and do clients ever wonder if that's more than serendipity that that someone happens to ring just as I'm opening the proposal? Uh, they may, but you know, <laughs> uh, the thing is, a lot of a lot of people now are using email tracking software, regardless whether it's proposal software. They know, you know, if you use a tool like HubSpot, you do. Yeah, you track when they track when people open your email and and that kind of. So I think people are mostly used to it now. Yeah. Okay. So literally, if I'm sending a proposal, I mean, the thing is, what I like about this is that I could have someone on the phone and I could say, right, uh, as I'm talking to them, uh, going through a kind of an analysis of, of what it is they need and the structure of the solution. And it can be reasonably generic, but I can have something with them in their inbox as I'm talking to them on the phone. And then I can see when they open it. And you've also mentioned something, which is that uh, in, in your software, at least, you can tell when people are reading it and not just that, but where they're spending time, particular sections, how much time they're on that page and maybe pages where they're not spending so much time. What's the advantage of, of that particular feature? So there's a numerous uh, amount of, of advantages. We have we have some statistics from our own database which suggests that 30% of proposals are signed within 11 minutes of opening. So prospects who are ready to buy don't spend a lot of time reading. They kind of already know they want it, and they they're just you're essentially just uh, shaking hands and and making it official. So some advantages of that is that is that you might have terms and conditions or you might have some detailed scope of services in your proposal where if your client signed it and you know they only spend two seconds on that page, then you're probably going to want to follow up with them, maybe book a call and actually run through all that stuff. So they make sure, you know, they make, you make sure that they really understand what they're getting so that you're not starting working with a new client who has totally 
mismanaged expectations about what they're getting. And you only find that out about two months into the working with them. That's one advantage. Yeah. And on the other hand, if someone is spending too long on maybe pricing, that could be indicative that uh, they're, they're struggling with it or trying to justify it to themselves. You know, we have another stat that we pulled. This is all in our, something we just launched called the Proposal Stats Guide for 2019. It's a collection of all this, uh, all these kind of metrics and statistics from, you know, th- uh, how many do we have? I think 1.5 million proposals in the database. And the stat is actually really interesting. If a, if a, somebody opens a proposal two and a half times, they're, they're likely to sign it. If they open it three and a half times, they're less likely to sign it. So essentially, the more they open the proposal, the less likely. Their, their likelihood to buy goes down. And that might be very surprising because you might think, well, if they keep opening it, aren't they interested in it? The data seems to suggest that if you have to keep, <clears throat> it's kind of like when you're in the store and you have to keep you know, looking at the product and then coming back to putting it back on the shelf and looking at the price tag, you're really kind of, you know, you're, you're unsure about something. So this is, this, is, this is more of a tip and less of a software thing, but one of the biggest ways to increase your close rate as, as anybody, as a consultant, as, as a business, is if you find that people are often going cold on you, you email them the proposal and then they just ghost you, start booking calls before they get the proposal. So say, I'm going to send you a proposal in whatever, two days, next week. Let's get a call on the calendar and I'll walk you through it. And if you start actually presenting the proposal on the phone as opposed to just emailing it to them, you'll start to be able to answer those questions, those concerns. Oh, wow, that, that's a little more expensive than I thought it was. Or, oh, does that also include this? All those questions that they'll never ask you over email, you can get them, you can squash those objections right on the phone. And your close rate goes up. Yeah, so the, because the proposal is in front of them, I take it that in real time, it's possible to make alterations to that and refresh it. Absolutely. That's, yes. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So something someone said to me a few years ago um, was a proposal should never be a surprise. In other words, that uh, all it is is a summary of what we've discussed and agreed. And if you're, as a consultant, a trainer, a training business owner sending across proposals, um, too long after the conversation, people often forget what's been discussed. And sometimes they encounter something and they think, hang on a sec, that's new. I don't recall discussing that. So it's really crucial to take advantage of that, um, of time. So as soon as you have a chance to get a proposal in front of someone, they're more likely to perhaps to, to take it as something they've already seen and understood. And the longer you leave it, uh, which is why, of course, um, sending things snail mail through the post um, kind of exacerbates the problem because there's a delay between someone discussing something and then seeing it for the second time, which could be days or even a week later or longer, in fact, uh, if it's something international. Um, so w- something else that that I really, you know, piques my fancy is 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 the concept of digital signatures. So I think that's worth talking about because some people, in fact, people I know personally in the training business are not yet using this concept. Maybe there's some kind of uh, reluctance or perhaps distrust or mistrust of of digital signatures and whether they are actually something which will stand up legally in a jurisdiction. Well, I mean, the, the, the eSign Act has been in place now for about 20 years. Um, you know, it, it's it's not a new thing, even though digital signatures ha- are growing in popularity and maybe they're more well-known now than they were uh, a few years ago. The actual legality has been in place for, for almost two dec- decades. 
So, um, in fact, I think it is exactly two decades, 1999, when it uh, when it, when that e-sign act was was put in place. So, but that was Bill Clinton, was it? You know, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> and and, there, and I should say that there are multiple um, uh, you know acts that are in place in different parts of the world. There's a European one. There's a U.S. one. They're all generally recognized. So there's in that e-sign act, any kind of e-signature provider, digital signature provider generally follows the rules that are, that are in that document, which is readily available online. And there's some things in place that, that are sort of the, the bare bones. This is, this is what you need in order to be a valid e-signature tool. So you have to track their IP address um, you have to lock down the document from from being changed after it's signed by both parties. You have to store it on a central server that both people have access to. Once you take it off that server, it it, it invalidates the contract. So there are certain rules around e-signatures to make them legally valid. That make them, in some cases, actually more more valid than just you know writing on a piece of paper. It's kind of amazing how people put so little trust in in computers you know being able to track things and know where they are and yet they you know they kind of look at ink on a piece of paper that's been faxed as as <laughs> somehow true. more authoritative it's <laughs> very true yeah so so literally i could sign a contract or a, a proposal document have that in someone's email inbox and um that then is binding as soon as they sign it so how would they sign it if if they if they haven't if they're not shall we say on Proposify? What would they have to have on their side to be able to, you know, validate uh, that uh, document on on their behalf? Well, I mean, there's a, there's numerous different tools out there that can do it. Adobe has uh, solutions. Uh, there's HelloSign. There's uh, EchoSign, which got bought by Adobe. There's uh, DocuSign. So there's there's tons of tools out there that do the e signature piece now. Um, it's, it's almost becoming very ubiquitous. There's a, there's a lot of, uh, tools that, that just have as a feature e-signatures. So any of those tools work. I think some of them even have free accounts. That's just almost, a, uh, it's almost just a standard now in, in doing any kind of business online is that you're going to be sending through contracts to sign. Yeah. So, so DocuSign is something you've mentioned. I think that's a fairly well-known brand. So that's something someone could sign up for. But um, that, that's something that's integrated in Proposify as well, the, the concept of, of adding digital signatures. Yeah, we, we provide the feature because a lot of people don't want to have to sign up to multiple tools and use different pieces of software. So if you, if you need the e-signature piece, it's just baked right into Proposify. Something else which is really interesting is, is the concept of Stripe integration. Stripe, for someone listening to this might uh, who doesn't know what Stripe is, it's actually a payment gateway, uh, if that's the correct definition. It's a, it's a means to integrate payments. So correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle, I could literally put a proposal in someone's inbox, walk them through it on the phone, and there and then ask them to make some kind of deposit to lock the deal in. Yes, this is, this is huge if you, uh, especially people that have sometimes trouble or it's just a little bit awkward. So your, your client signs your proposal or they just email you and say, yes, that's great. Let's move ahead. Then you, now you have to work out payment arrangements. Okay, here's my banking. You know, here's my transit number or you know, where should I send the check? Like people are still waiting on checks to arrive in the mail. This, you know, drives me crazy. Um, wouldn't it be easier if there was, it was almost like buying something on Amazon, right? So you, you have your, you know, uh, your, your multiple thousand dollar consulting agreement, let's say you want to get paid 50% upfront from your client as soon as they sign. That's sort of baked into Proposify so that 
as soon as they sign, you can ask them for their um, payment information, their credit card information, and then it all goes through Stripe and then you get paid out through Stripe. That's fantastic. So if, if someone is really serious about a training contract or a consultancy arrangement or some kind of coaching um, for their team, you could as a consultant say, okay, here's the contract or the proposal document. I've signed it, uh, you sign it. And to make this now, uh, well, to, to move forward, I, I need you to uh, to make some kind of payment. So just just to clarify my mind um, and, and the minds of listeners, how would the Stripe integration work? Is, is it a seamless step or is it something that has to be further integrated? Because I think that, uh, in fact, I know that uh, Proposify works with a bunch of tools such as um, CRMs and Stripe. Yeah, so we, so we have what they call you know native integrations, which is something that we directly integrate with. And then there are also um, <clears throat> ones like Using, I don't know if people have heard of Zapier. It's a it's a tool that that creates automation. Pardon me. Yes, I have. Yeah. Between, yeah. So you know you can hook things together with Zapier, but there's other things that we just integrate natively with. So there's even less um, you know process in the middle. Um, Stripe is a native integration for us, so that means that you can directly through your Proposify account connect your Stripe account, and then once that's done, your prospects don't really go anywhere. They're in your proposal in Proposify. It comes up with a form after they sign right in the, the document that essentially says, okay, you know, here's how much it is to, to start. This is your deposit. You know, enter your credit card information here. So they never have to leave and go anywhere. Right. And so that money that they pay then, that goes into their Stripe account. So someone would actually have to separate, set up a Stripe account separately. Exactly. All right. And that's not a big deal, is it? I mean, it's just something you, you do much the same as setting up an email account. You provide some details and bank details. Yeah, usually it, it, it's very similar. I'm sure a lot of people have used PayPal. It's kind of like setting up a PayPal account. And it's, I believe it's a free account and they take a, um, you know, they take a, a percentage of what goes through there. So that I see on their site now it's 2.9% plus 30 cents a transaction, depending on how much you send through. And that's why they're a multi-billion dollar corporation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And you also got an app, which means that um, someone with a mobile device, an Android app or a, an Android phone or an iOS phone, an Apple phone can actually download a Proposify app and with that, they can see when people are yeah, interacting with proposals online. So we have uh, an Android and, and an iOS app, depending on what you use. Um, they're very simple apps. They kind of show you your, your proposals that are out there that are waiting to get signed. Um, you can look at them, kind of view the metrics on wh- where people are looking, that kind of thing. You can add some contacts to your account that way. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, we call it a companion app to have just if you're on the train or in an Uber and you want to see what's going on with all your proposals. So um, what, what do your plans cost? Uh, And I know like I'm, I'm talking specifically about Proposify today, which is true, but, but I think it's a, it's a good idea to, to put um, pricing on front of people just to give them an idea because you obviously serve the mid market primarily, but you also um, have plans available for people who are consultants, small business owners. Yeah. Yeah, so we because we use coffee a lot in our branding, we off we actually call our plans by the Starbucks coffee sizes. So we have a tall grande and venti plan. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> okay. So yeah, our tall plan is 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 a good fit for individuals and consultants, freelancers, that kind of thing. It's nineteen dollars a user a month, and that is uh, up to three users maximum, and that would basically cover. You know, if you have five active proposals on the go, which for independence usually is pretty standard, they might have five active proposals and then 
the ones that are signed or the ones that are closed don't count towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it would it would include all of the basic features around interactive quoting, notifications and metrics, e-signatures, and the content library. Okay, and then Stripe integration. That's something that's uh, is that something available at that um, the toll price, or is it something further up the chain? Uh, the Stripe integration is on our Grande plan, so that is forty nine dollars a user a month. Um, we bill that quarterly, and that would have more features around. Um, you know, things like uh, the integrations, as we mentioned, also you know, being able to put forms on your site. So sometimes people on their proposals want to collect information from their prospects. Think of like an interior designer who wants to know, you know, what, what the customer wants about certain things or wants them to select options and that kind of thing. You're able to do that uh, with the client input forms. Okay, so you can build forms. And where are those forms hosted? Is that uh, like a landing page within Proposify, or is it something on someone's own website? Oh yeah, no, you can. It's it's all directly in Proposify. So you, you're actually creating the fields in the document itself. So you could, at, as a page in your proposal, um, you could put it on any page. You could just you know create a, a little input form anywhere you want, maybe near the e-signatures, if that makes sense. And then all that information gets stored in Proposify. And speaking of uh, data, which comes from customers, you also offer CRM integration. And from people listening, CRM is effectively a customer relationship management software system, which means that you're able to put in their details like their name, address, phone number, uh, and so on. Um, And I take it that that information then would hook into someone's CRM, something like Salesforce or Insightly. Yes. So they'll... The CRMs that we integrate natively with include um, HiRise, HubSpot, Infusionsoft, Insightly, and Pipedrive, and also Zoho. Um, the Salesforce integration is actually much more robust and deeper, and Salesforce is a much bigger platform. So that's on our enterprise plan, the Venti. Uh, anybody who needed to use any of the other CRMs, they could use that on the Grande. And then we also hook in with Zapier. So if you use other other tools like Close or Hopper or uh, active campaign. There's there's tons of them out there. A nimble. You can you can use that with proposals. Yeah, I'm familiar with uh, PipeDrive and Close.io, and you've mentioned something called Active Campaign, which is something I use. So CRM effectively is something that someone should really have um, if they want to be able to, uh, I suppose, hook in information from customers' proposals. But what you've mentioned there is, is the ability to literally create forms that in your proposal and then capture details from someone as their um, using the proposal, or is that the right word, reusing the proposal? Yeah, you, you know, one of the use cases is, is like a PO number. Sometimes that happens with a, with a prospect where, you know, they agree to your deal, and then now to invoice it, you need to get a PO number, so now you have to wait for them to go and get that. You can actually ask for that right in the proposal, say, give me a purchase order number, and then that way you can invoice it as soon as it's uh, closed. Yeah, okay. So what does someone need to get started with, with the concept of... Um, creating proposals which which look good um, and that they've all the information together because often people sign up for things, they struggle, they get lost, they get disheartened and they just sign out. So where would someone need to go and what kinds of information would they need to gather to be in a position to take advantage of something like Proposify? Um, there's, you know, the information they can find out on our on our website. We have a blog. We detail a lot of information about uh, just best practices with proposal writing. We have a gallery of, uh, oh, geez, I can't remember how many, 50 or so, uh, 50 to 100 free proposal templates that people can look at if they want an example that's well-suited to their industry. So okay. if you're a trainer, we have a training proposal template with you know, design and images already there. You can kind of tweak it and customize it and, and put in your own uh, your own information. And if someone wanted to f- further down the line, 
um, get a custom proposal document designed, that's something that you would offer as well. Yeah, we do, we do offer that as a service. Um, so sometimes people, uh, we actually have partners, which you know uh, is something else we can talk about. We have a partner program where there are companies out there uh, that are maybe small consultants or design firms, and they specialize in Proposify. So we send them the the customer, and then they can work with that customer and, and actually design out something that's completely custom to that client and put it into Proposify and, and use it within our templates and our content library and our all of the features in Proposify. They actually know how to get it in there for you. Okay. And there's also, I think, some kind of program uh, we talked about briefly when we were uh, kind of prepping for this call. And is that right? There's some kind of... Um, uh, program where people can offer a certified partner status? Exactly. We have a certified partner program and an affiliate program. So uh, a certified partner is somebody who has been kind of vetted and trained up in Proposify. And for those people, we uh, we actually, you can resell the software to your clients and make a percentage of the of the revenue that you sell through your through your own clientele. And we kind of train you up on how to do that. So we always the great thing is that the certified partner program itself doesn't cost anything. You just need to be a, a customer of the of the tool. Uh, we we like to make sure anybody who's reselling or training people on how to use Proposify that they actually have a, an account and and know how to use it for themselves as well. Okay, so um, where would you like me to um, direct listeners to? Obviously, Proposify.com. Any other things? Slash partners. So flash partners. Uh, slash, slash partners. Oh, slash partners. Proposify.com slash partners. Yeah. <laughs> flash partners. Sorry. <laughs> we, we, we only flash the partners that are certified. <laughs> so proposify.com forward slash, forward slash, not flash mark, slash uh, partners. Cool. Okay. And we also mentioned a guide, uh, which we can make available as a link in the show notes to today's episode. And one more time, Kyle, what is that uh, called and what is it about? Sure. So there's um, the Closer's Guide to Winning Proposals. So we can send you a link. It's proposify.com slash Closer's Guide to Winning Proposals with slashes uh, in the middle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> slashes. Not flash. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's a good resource for all the kind of tips on just how to, how to create a great proposal that helps you close, how to automate and streamline the process. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Kyle, it's been wonderful having you on the program today. And thanks for speaking to us live from Nova Scotia in Canada. Uh, before we go, how, what's the weather like right now as I speak? It is beautiful and sunny. Uh, I think the weather, I think it's like 17 degrees Celsius. Okay, right. So it's, it's quite it's nice. four here, so <laughs> for once. Sorry, four, 14 degrees. Oh, 14 degrees. Okay, not bad at all. And sunny. Okay. Well, look, it's been great having you on the show and I look forward to speaking to you at some point in the future. Thanks. My pleasure. And that's a wrap. A big thank you to Carl for taking the time to speak to us today. Carl, thank you for your time and thank you to your team for helping to make today's episode possible. My sincere thanks to you, of course, our guests uh, and our listeners for your time, for tuning in again this week. I take it that there are many podcasts out there which you could be listening to, but you've chosen to listen to this one today in addition to other ones which you listen to. And for that, I'm very, very grateful. And of course, my team is as grateful. And by the word team, I mean Sam, who looks after all the audio production for this and other episodes of the podcast and James, who does the social media and all the lovely graphic 
artwork which appears on social media channels such as Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter. And the show is available, as you know by now, every single Thursday on platforms such as Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify. I keep calling it iTunes, but I guess that's because, um, yeah, it kind of uh, has been around quite a while. But of course, iTunes has now been renamed to Apple Podcasts. So yes, you'll find us on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher and Spotify. And we'd love you to leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. We would value that highly because it helps us to confirm that we're actually giving you the right kinds of content. Now, we know by now that uh, having received comments on social media and uh, through email, that the content we're bringing you is helpful, which is great to know. But should you have any ideas as to what else you'd like to hear, particular topics or particular guests, we would welcome you, or rather welcome comments from you very much because that helps us to ensure that the podcast is hitting the right notes. Um, we're on Twitter, on Facebook and Instagram, so you can, of course, check us out and join the conversation and find your episodes every other episode to date on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. But um, we'd also like you to keep an eye out for competitions because we will be announcing some very soon once we get our website up. And I really know it's something we've not yet done successfully. We've had some technical trouble with that, but that's something I can promise you we are addressing. And as soon as humanly possible, we will have that live. So we've a fresh episode again next Thursday. That's for episode 59 of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Until then, have a wonderful training business week. Bye for now. Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Go to trainingbusiness.com and subscribe right now to be notified of great competitions, upcoming VIP episodes, and amazing special offers to help you succeed in your training business. See you next time.